Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Meta Cafe. Grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is going on up in the stars today. I hope you're all having a great day so far. It looks like we might see some sunshine today. And last night, I don't know if you saw the pictures I posted on Facebook and Instagram, but the sunset was spectacular, such beautiful colors. And you know, the minute you snap the picture, it, you just know that it's not going to capture the moment, and that is the truth, right? The picture was beautiful, but what I was seeing and experiencing just couldn't be uh, leveled out to just one little picture or a couple of pictures. So I hope wherever you are, you are also experiencing something wonderful last evening. Certainly, we have had some Uranus fun going on. Just ask Trump and Boris Johnson. I would say that Uranus has been in the play yard, full out playing in their lives and in their charts, as both of them have been uh, handed some quite surprising things over the last couple of days. And you know, there's something else interesting about what is going on in some of the outer world experiences that we're seeing, besides the fact that Uranus is, is also, you know, dredging up things and uh, shocking the people involved with different things. We have two things that we have not really paid much attention to, and that is Neptune, the planet of disillusion or of secrets or of the hidden, of things that we don't see clearly, the fog or the, the webbiness of something in front of our eyes, and the black moon Lilith, which is the shadow, uh, the darker side that we don't see. And they've been coming into a conjunction. And as they have been coming closer and closer together, what's been happening are scandals and secrets have been being revealed one after the other. And it's really quite fascinating to watch. When you sit back and you think about some of the things that have come up to the surface, one uh, is Neptune, right? Neptune is part of that. And Uranus is a second part of that playing the role of the awakener or the jolt, right? The thing that, you know, shakes you up. But then the black moon Lilith, which we haven't really, I haven't really looked at too deeply over the last couple of uh, months, has really been uh, sort of dredging things up, bringing that dark side to the surface. I mean, the purpose of the shadow is exposure, right? Or to keep the purpose of the shadow, excuse me, is to keep hidden. But these other planetary focuses are all about bringing those things to the surface. Exposure, right? So it's not surprising to me to see the level of things that are coming up. And I would bet there's more because literally today, Neptune is sitting at 16 degrees, 54 minutes. The black moon Lilith, 16 degrees, six minutes. They're not done with one another. Not yet, right? And they're in the sign of Pisces. And Pisces is uh, a sign sometimes of that hidden depth Neptune rules Pisces. So there's a lot of power in the secret. There's a lot of power in the underbelly. And there's a lot more likely of scandals, of secrets being exposed here in the very near future. Now, whether there's power in those secrets being exposed or not depends on many other things. And what does it bring to us? Well, I don't know. Yesterday, certainly, at least in the United States, uh, it, that secret being exposed forced the the uh, House to start impeachment proceedings against the president. I have no clue how that one's going to turn out yet. Um, I have a feeling it may blow up in everybody's faces just because of the nature of the energies that we have around us right now. But you get the idea that there's a lot of potential to um, enact more transparency. And, you know, I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again, if any one of us, most of us, most good people, and on, you know, at the bottom of it all, most of us are good people. People in general are good. Um, when faced with a mistake they've made, we'll often say, mea culpa, right? I did this, and I wasn't thinking, and my bad. But when we're politicians, or when the politicians seem to operate on some other secret plane, as if they, by, by claiming that they've made a mistake, that they won't be considered superhuman or something anymore, right? There's a real fear that they have. 
in being transparent or in saying, I screwed up. And I think it would be so refreshing for once for someone to say, look, I'm human too. And yeah, I probably shouldn't have said what I said to uh, uh, what's his name in uh, Ukraine, but I did. And um, what can I say? My bad. And then to take the responsibility for that and whatever the consequences are for that. Or else what you do is you set, it's a, it's a, like a double pronged bad news story here. One, you set the, the, um, the stage for people to continue that same kind of, of uh, uh, behavior, right? It's like you're condoning that bad behavior. Like you're condoning it. Well, Trump did it. Why can't I do it? Well, Clinton did it. Why can't I do it? And they get, and they got away with it. So I'm going to get away with it, right? The precedent is terrible that's been set for that. And on the other hand, the personal toll that it takes on those individuals, the karmic toll that it takes when we don't face our uh, responsibilities, when, we, you know, God, Saturn, Pluto, they're going to be on top of one another here in a very short time, January 12th, circle that day on your calendar, those two come together and literally karma is born, right? Or karma is balanced, so we have a lot of pressure on us right now to get into integrity. What is integrity if not someone saying, look, I know it, I blew it, I blew it, right? I just blew it. Wouldn't that be refreshing in, in, in our governments to have people that said that, you know, like, you know what, I just, it was a mistake. And how would that impact all of us? I don't know. It might shock us all. It might be a Uranian moment for all of us, <laughs> human beings on the planet, to see people in power be transparent. I don't know if I would know what to do, um, but I would like to experience that for once. Wouldn't you like to know that they're being the truth tellers and not the secret keepers? And thus the energy right now coming up, revealing secrets, scandals, and all of the other stuff that's out there that's hidden from us. So let's say good morning to everybody. Rebecca, it's great to see you. And good morning, Debbie Hedden and Mimi and and uh, and Amy Moore. Good morning to you. This is her first time watching us live. Welcome to you. We're glad to have you joining your energy with ours. Chanel, good morning to you. Stephanie, hey, sleepless in Sunbury. I'm wide awake so I can watch you live. Glass half full, right? Well, that's awesome. And thank you for joining us, Stephanie, from Australia, I believe it is. Maybe New Zealand. I can't remember which exactly. Good morning, Linda. And Mimi says, boy, howdy, Uranus is a busy planet. Oh, yes, he is. Definitely that. Um, and Debbie Hedden says, good morning. Your pictures were gorgeous. Yeah, there was just so much color, so much there was that berry color, there was coral, there was this bright orange, and ah, it was just gorgeous. And Colleen is with us this morning. Michelle Siaka, good morning. Uh, Mimi says, karma has been shoe shopping. <laughs> and Marjorie Roth is with us, good morning. So we do have what I, I think, you know, I was kind of looking at around at what the other astrologers were saying because we're moving into a new moon window and so there's a lot of you know talk out there about the different things that are happening and uh i i was saying today i think today is a great day although there are some sticky things there are sticky things every day aren't there right there's going to always be something that sticks in your craw that creates the potential for you to react in the negative Today, I think that there are a lot of really good, smooth working things and couple that with some really big opportunities to get square with oneself. And what I mean by that is to get in alignment with your truth, working out your kinks, so as it were, uh, to getting out there in the world and actually thriving. I was awake actually this morning at four o'clock, uh, something was shining in my eye and I looked outside it was the moon, a very crescent moon, as we're closer to the, we're getting very close to the new moon. Uh, but it was beautiful, this just sparkling crescent, and it reminded me that time moves on 
right? The cycles keep moving, that we're never stuck in one energy for very long. I mean, we have long-term transits, sure, and sometimes they feel like they are unending, but literally the energies are always changing. And today the energies are changing, but in very positive directions. And if it doesn't feel so positive to you, then you stop and you ask yourself, what am I trying to hold on to? What am I holding on to so tightly that I can't see the good in letting go, surrendering, right? So let's talk about what is going on up in the sky, and then you'll see what I'm talking about here. Today, the moon is in Leo all day. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the moon turns void, of course, at 9.14 a.m. Pacific time. So just a little afternoon for you all on the East Coast. And it is void, of course, all the way until 3.37 tomorrow morning, Pacific time, 6.37 for you all on the East Coast when it will move out of Leo and into Virgo. So what I say is make the best of it today. Have a lot of fun and play. Don't be too serious about things. Let just things roll off your back and enjoy the day. Be entertained. Do entertaining. Be playful. Engage in creative endeavors. That's the energy that today really, really focuses us in on. There are good connections from the moon to Venus, to Mercury, and to Jupiter. Uh, to Venus, we have a sextile, which means that there's the, the Venus in the sign of Libra, wanting equilibrium and balance, finds a partner in Leo that playfully can move things into like little chess pieces on the board into the right positions. The trine with Jupiter engages our optimism and our sunshiny sides. And the last aspect of the moon today before she turns void is a sextile to Mercury. And that is our mind and our communication in a nice, flowing, empowering uh, uh, aspect to the moon in Leo. So lovely energy, I think it is lovely energy. So have fun with this. If, if you're entertaining something today that might be of a serious nature, maybe put it on shelf it <laughs> till tomorrow or another day, or try to take a different view of it and look at it from the light side, from the, the turn it upside down and see what it looks like from a different position, right? Um, the biggest transit of the day is Venus squaring Saturn. And it is actually a T-square because Venus is also squaring the south node and the north node. So I should have already drawn this and I did not. Let me show you what that looks like in the chart. So Venus and Mercury are still traveling pretty darn close together. They're still within about five degrees of one another. But this particular T-square is pointed right at Venus. And a T-square is an opposition of two planets. And here we don't have planets. We have the north node and obviously the south node because it's an axis, right? You can't have one without the other. So you already have an opposition already inherent in the nodes. Down here, we have Saturn conjunct the south node. We had this going on in April, if you'll recall, where we were in destruction mode. And I would guess that what's happening now is any of the structures that were in destruction mode, structures in destruction uh, during that time are finding the uh, very last part of their, their demise. And I think that's why we see things like, and I'm not saying the right or the wrongness of this, but that our uh, house is taking steps toward impeachment because we have the final straw, if you were, on the camel's back that makes it possible to move forward, that gives the, the final destruction of what's been so that we can start to rebuild, right? Restructure, reform. So honestly, I think this is really a good transit. And both ends of this point over here via a square, a challenge to the planet Venus, or is it Venus more appropriately challenging the North nodes and the South node? Now, when we're talking about the nodes, we're talking about your destiny. We're talking about the journey toward your destiny, to your life purpose, and using the gifts and the talents that you brought here in new and revolutionary ways. 
right in the um, general wisdom of North Node astrology, South Node astrology, we see that when we're younger, we come into this world with these gifts and these talents and these experiences and this cellular memory, and we try to do things the same way that they worked for us in previous lifetimes, and we fail miserably at it. The wiser we get, the older we get, the more we are able to take those gifts, talents, and use them in new and revolutionary ways. And that's your destiny, right? That's your destiny to find the way to use your gifts and your talents in a path of service um, or of sharing of those gifts and talents with others in the world. That's your destiny in a nutshell. Now, where the houses are, and this is you know, in a different, uh, there's two houses involved in everybody's chart. They're going to be across from one another, right? So if it's the first house, then it's also the seventh house. One or the other is going to be in those houses and all the way around the wheel of the zodiac. So what are we doing here with Venus in the mix? We are working out the kinks in our relationships. So yesterday I was talking about fear and how, um, how our our relationships are really great mirrors to us of how it is that we're doing in the world. So if your relationships are, are strained or are difficult, then there's something still within you that you have yet to merge through or uh, work on that the relationship is showing you, right? And when your relationships are in really good places, then you've worked through something within your own self and you've earned, if you will, the karmic right, if you will, uh, to enjoy the relationship. Now, I don't mean to minimize what your relationship difficulties might be because that is certainly not my intention, but our relationships are really those mirrors to tell us how it is that we're doing in the world. And remember, I said it's not just your relationships through people. It could be the relationship with your body, the relationship with your money, the relationship with your um, your career or your profession or with the people that you work with uh, or your home and uh, or your your friends and your families or your own thinking right we can be our own best friends or we can be our own worst enemies so it's up to you to take a look at all of those different kinds of relationships right now and determine what kinks there are for you to work out what lessons are you in the process of learning from all of those relationships from the people around you from the people in the outer world that are not necessarily your uh your relations or your friends but you know in general what are you learning from all of that and what lessons are you learning from the areas of your life where you feel you aren't thriving yet right yet right we've got we've got the potential to thrive in all areas of our lives then the question becomes what is preventing you from thriving what is preventing that thriving and flourishing feeling instead where you are uh, succumbing to survival? What is that about? And what habits are you holding on to that may be playing into that lack of thriving? And by that I mean, you know, what beliefs are there? What thought patterns are you locked into? What behaviors are you repeating over and over again that have locked you in to uh, a set pattern? Because we get the opportunity today to be able to shake that up as well. And actually, it's not just today. Literally, this sets us up, you know, as Venus begins to move forward into more of the fear gates on the spleen in your human design, we get to break up all of these patterns. I hope that everybody gets that. Let's take a look and see if there's any comments going on out here. I saw some little happy faces and things flying by. Let's see what else is going on. Stephanie says she was in Australia. Great. There's another client of mine that lives in New Zealand, and I cannot remember who it is. Um, so I thought you were her, but apparently you're not. Diana, good morning. Marjorie Roth says all of these planets are my planets today. They're your planets every day. And Asa's joined us as well. Good morning, Asa. So I thought maybe today, uh, time-wise, I've got some time. I want to go through, I want to rock your world a bit as it relates to fear. And this comes from the Gene Keys. And yesterday as I was going through all, of, I mean, I have pages of notes like this of things that I wrote around the gene keys that this is all from last year. And uh, 
And I thought it would be a great thing for us to take a look at it because I wonder if we have even a, a working definition of fear besides the false evidence appearing real and what that means for us all, right? False evidence appearing real gets us caught up or stuck in uh, old patterns and ruts. But, but where does that fear come from, right? And it, it, it would appear, it would appear that life itself has been holding us as humans back from releasing the fullness of our nature, right? What would happen if we were all, if we all realized in one moment that we were the creators of our reality and that we all let fear go in a moment? <laughs> it would be pretty amazing, I think. That would be all of us elevating ourselves out of the fear level, the shadow level, and up into at least the gift level. Remember, for those of you who are new, and there's a few of you out there, the Gene Keys written by Richard Rudd, it's a contemplation, and it's a deeper look at the human design. So in human design, they're called gates, all of those little spots on your chart that, um, I didn't make a new chart, so let me pull out yesterday's chart here. So all of these little numbered areas within the chart are called gates. In human design, the gates are traits that you would find on your DNA or in your DNA. I'm never sure if it's on or in, but the DNA holds those traits. The gene keys recognizes the genetic connection and then takes it and looks at that same energy in a hologram or a holographic uh, profile of these energies. So I, I say it is a dimensional look at each of the traits that are being expressed through your human design. And in that hologram, there are three levels. We see the shadow level, which is when we are in resonance or frequencies of fear. And then there is the gift. If we can rise up out of the fear, then we are coming into the gift level. And in the gift level, we have that higher frequency energy. And from there, the gift level, we have the Siddic level, the Siddhi, S-I-D-D-H-I, which is a Sanskrit word that means something like the highest level achieved. And it is the highest that we as human beings can be. It is the closest to the divine, right? So we, you could almost say it is when we touch the face of our divineness, we are uh, operating at the Siddic level. But right now, if we could even elevate ourselves out of the shadow and the fear, we would change the face of the planet, right? We would be elevating ourselves from fear into the gift. And knowing your human design helps you be able to see where it is that you're holding on to some of that same fear. This center in your human design, this one, the spleen, is the center for time, intuition, health, and also is where the gates here double as fear gates or paralysis points. And right now we've been looking at these because the planet Mercury, Venus, Mars, and ultimately the sun, when we move into the last week of this month and all through October and into early November, we'll be sitting at the different gates here. So we have this wonderful opportunity to do a deep dive through this energy of fear and where does it come from. So life in the beginning needed human beings to be afraid of each other in order for us to fulfill our genetic potential. Now, if I reframe that, in our very early days, the concept of other prevented us from dying, right? It was a protection. It was a safety measure. That natural fear that we had of one another or of other, right? If we were all in the same tribe, that fear is not there. But if another tribe, for example, came to us from somewhere out there, we would have in our genetic profile already, in our aura, the fear of the other, right? The fear of other. Without that, we would not have been able to really survive marauding peoples coming in, you know, taking your, your uh, resources or, you know, even in that some cases killing off tribes, right? So then that natural protection aids us in genetic diversity because this evolution 
creates this purpose that we have of exploring the other. So if, if someone comes at you, like it's going to be the same thing if and when we ever discover aliens on this planet, right? Our genetic matrix of fear is still there, right? It's still there. We don't, it's not like it magically disappears. We've got millions of years of evolutionary energy, impulse energy that still carries that fear of other. An alien race coming to visit the earth, <laughs> and I'm using it because it's a pretty obvious one, we are all going to be a little bit fear fear-based about it, right? You can see it in the movies that we watch. You can see it in our government's response to anything like that. First, they want to hide it from us, you know, that there are UFOs. And then, you know, they put up these secret bases where they're probably rebuilding technology from uh, ultra, or, uh, alien uh, um, planets. <laughs> Who knows what they're doing? But think about that response. It's all about fear. It isn't because they're so loving and kind and generous and happy and excited to welcome new people to the planet. Oh, uh, no, no. It is all about fear. And that fear gets translated through all of us. It's in our aura that we are fearful of new people or new circumstances, new things. But it serves a purpose in our evolution as it protects us from dying off right, from being so arms open and welcoming that we end up, you know, bringing in the enemy kind of thing. So we are walking a fine line then, don't you think, right? The fine line is always, am I going to succumb to fear or am I going and, and react to the fear of the other or anything else for that matter? Or am I going to hold space and breathe myself through this until I have clear information on what it is that I need to do. And then when I do get that information, I'm not going to react out of fear. I'm going to take action based on what makes sense according to my survival. Survival energy. That's what it's all about, right? That's what it is all about. Now, all of the codons or the 64 gates or the 64 gene keys have a shadow state. There's the shadow, the gift, and then the city, right? And it's those shadow states that are all governed by fear. They're all governed by fear. Now, collectively, humanity vibrates to the fear band frequencies. And no matter how elevated you think you are, <laughs> The first time you are face to face with an alien, your natural reaction is going to be fear-based, right? At least now, in, at this level of our evolution, we still have the spleen in our energy centers. We still have that animal instinct to distrust that which we see as other, and that's born out of a genetic heritage, and it puts enormous pressure on us then collectively to resonate with the fear band frequencies, right? Those shadow frequencies. Now, humans were like tuning forks, right? You are one big tuning fork. And we're all, we're automatically going to come into vibration with the frequency that is around us. The frequency on this planet is all about fear, right? Unconsciousness, right? The unconscious fear is where we are vibrating to on this planet. And through the conditioning that you receive in childhood on up through your adulthood is where this unease with life comes in, right? And this is going to be important part of the Gene Key 57. And the Gene Key 57 right now is where Mercury is sitting. And as we move into October, we're going to have the sun sitting here. Some of you that are watching today are... Uh, Libras who have this gate as your sun, right? The sun in your profile sitting at this gate of fear, this shadow of unease that runs through the frequency of us as humanity. Now, back in, let's backwards now. Let's go backward in time a little bit. Let's do some time traveling and let's go back to the end of the Mayan calendar. 
Some say it was on the winter solstice of 2012. As I've studied it, it really occurred October 29th of 2011. And doesn't matter what day you use, we came to the end of this calendar, the Mayan calendar, which was also, as we now know, the part of the Pleiadian calendar, the Pleiadian wisdom. And at the end of this calendar, it's not that the world was ending, obviously it didn't, we're still here, but there was something really interesting that was happening at that point in time. We were then able to take on the mantle of being the co-creators with Source on this planet. Up until that point, we had been sort of in the pathway of the evolution of consciousness. It was unfolding and we were unfolding with it. And we really, we couldn't do anything different than what that evolution of consciousness was taking, where it was taking us, we had to go, right? Because we were all a part of that evolution. When we got to the end of the calendar, those puppet strings were cut. And humanity was no longer part of this wave of the consciousness. We were now a co-creator of that consciousness, Check in with me really quickly and let me know if you're understanding what I'm talking about here, because this is a pretty deep concept, and it's one that is uh, might be difficult for people to, to get. Uh, let's see, that explains the anxiety I'm feeling. Stephanie, oh, heck yeah. Stephanie, I woke up with a pit in my stomach this morning. My husband comes home from work last night, and he says to me, I feel like something bad is going to happen. And he never does that, but he has a gate 57. His son is at the gate 57, much like yours, Asa. He was feeling something in the wind and that unease was creating this body reaction in him. And I think a lot of people may be feeling that. Good morning, Londa. Good morning, Kristen. Rebecca says, is a gate in the spleen related to our lineage if it's activated by a design or unconscious planet playing out in our life story versus the conscious ones? Um, I would say that yes. Uh, on the, the bigger scale of time, your ancestry is indeed coming to play here. The spleen is the oldest center in the body, and it holds the, the oldest lineage of fear, if you will, or the lineage of survival. It is encoded in the very fabric of your DNA through your lineage, through your family lines. So, okay, it looks like everybody's following. Londa says, I need to write a book. Oh, no. Uh, um, Debbie says she agrees, Londa. Uh, Rebecca, you're following. Colleen's got it. Love it. Yet love it. And so I'm going to keep going here then. And if someone, if I lose somebody, let me know and I'll pick back up. So going back to the Mayan calendar, what we see is this, this representation of our, um, Hmm. Our quinceanera, if you are of Hispanic origin, your sweet 16, your turning 18, you're moving away from home, from your family for the first time, your graduation, right? That's what occurred for us at the ending of the calendar. We, puppet strings cut, and now we are responsible for the reality that we are co-creating. No more is it just being built for us. No more are we just sort of rolling with the flow in that. We are actually in the driver's seat with spirit and creating the reality that we're now a part of. So think about this, though. You are now, it's like being born, right? You, we're being born into a new responsibility, a new, a new co-creative opportunity, and yet we have millions of years in our lineage of fear that kept us alive, but we are having to work through that in order to be able to be the true co-creators. So when we see a lot of fear-based energy on the planet, know that it is all part of our growing up. Think, go back to when you were 18 or 16, whatever time you, you left home. Most of us probably left home around age 18, or at least that's our age of majority, and we were able to then loosen the chains that bind us from our parents, right? You go out in the world, how many mistakes have you made since then? How many mistakes did you make in those first few years of your freedom from your parents? We all did. We all did dumb things. We all did big, you know, no-nos. We all got in trouble. We, we all had different experiences that we look back now, and we go, oh God, I was so young, <laughs> right? Well, that's where we are as human beings right now. We're at that 18-year-old, now I'm free, 
and I'm botching it, right? I'm messing up. I am creating havoc. I am upsetting everything around me because I'm at that cusp, that cusp of the freedom to be the co-creator and then taking the responsibility for what that means and that fear-based energy that has us instinctually behaving like we've always behaved in the past. So here we are, right? So this conditioning, you could call this conditioning right? Because it's not only conditioned in you from childhood in that the parents that you came into the planet with were also conditioned by their parents and so on and so forth, which is how we get this idea of lineage, right? Lineage that ties us to these old fears and these old way of behaving, these ways of this uh, behaving unconsciously out of fear. And now it is up to us, it is up to every one of us to choose to behave in a different manner. That's why when I look at the spleen and I say, hey, this has um, rulership over time, it's time in the now, right? It rules the now. And in the now is where fear is. And in the now, you can look at that fear, you can embrace that fear, you can suck it up, buttercup, and then you can say, doing it anyway, going on anyway, moving beyond this anyway. I'm aiming for the gift, right? Uh, and it's always your choice. It's your choice, right? The gift, for example, in the gate 57, out of that unease, right? That feeling like something's not right. Something's rotten in Denmark. There's something going to happen. Out of that unease comes the gift of intuition, knowing that when it comes to having to take action on something, you will have the right knowing in the moment to be able to do that. And then the highest expression, and once we get this idea of intuition down, the next expression is clarity, utter clarity, right? Seeing so clearly that we can take steps in the moment that are not based in fear, but are based in pure knowingness. You got to love that that's where we're going, right? That we can move through this because we are programmed to fear does not mean that we have to stay that way now. Those puppet strings, remember, they're cut. The bond is broken there to fear. We don't have to stay beholden to fear, right? We have come far enough along that literally our survival as a species, although some would say we are threatening our survival as a species, uh, but again, I think a lot of that comes from our living in the fear, fear of not having enough, right? So we chew up all the resources of the planet. Um, all of these different kinds of fears are literally taking us to the brink, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? It doesn't have to be that way. In our early human days, we attuned ourselves frequent, frequency-wise to the body, right? We functioned through our attunement to the physical being, to the frequencies that would we would feel in our bodies. So, for example, when we watch a um, field in the winter here, we get a lot of snow geese and what are those other things? Uh, oh, trumpeter swans. And they'll be out in the farm fields and their fields are just white, right, with these sounds of these geese. And we still have bald eagles and a bald eagle will fly over that flock and the entire flock will lift up and fly. And it's amazing. It sounds amazing. It looks amazing. And what you're seeing is body attunement to fear, to instinct, to intuition. So we have that ability, but we lost that ability. We're, we've lost it over time because we've come to rely on the mind as opposed to our body for wisdom. And the mind, as you know, is an awareness center. It has no authority to take action. So if we give our power to take action away to the mind, it's going to act on whatever the mind is thinking about, whatever it's seeing, feeling, and, and or experiencing. Where the body is where the truth is. If the body says danger, then it can take action. But we can, we can sort of cut that off by moving into the head and going, but wait, I don't see anything going on around here. What is there to worry about? What am I in fear over? 
So, and or thinking about things that create more fear, it taps us into that frequency rather than listening to the body that says it's all cool here, right? I'm safely sitting behind my desk and there isn't anything right now that is shaking or rocking my world. I'm safe. I'm okay. So listening to the body is what we've lost and what we need to bring back right, our body holding the wisdom. So modern man, we're now translating all of that intuition, all that vibration of intuition through reason or the mind rather than intuition, which is instinctual in the body. So unease is no longer operating in response to the moment that something's survival necessary comes up. It is no longer operating in the now it's operating and being translated by the mind as a continuous stream of voices in your head called anxiety, right? Anxiety and enhancing that morphogenetic field of fear. So morphogenetic field is just a field of energy that surrounds us, surrounds this planet, surrounds your body. Your aura is part of the morphogenetic field and the mind we've given more power to the mind, it's become stronger than our instinct or our intuition and seeks to end unease, that uneasy feeling, through the constant seeking of external security. So rather than depending on our inner world, we've become very dependent on our outer world. So security and protection and keep gathering resources has become an obsession for humanity. And we're caught up in this global web of fear then, right? We're caught up in it. We project it outward, out onto our world. Symbolically, we also project this out onto money, right? The fear of not having enough money, the fear of not being secure. And ironically, the people with money are not fear-free, right? We've got plenty... Look at the billionaires, right? They're not free. They're not free of fear. Their fear just moved into a different kind of fear. It's relocated somewhere else in their psyche. So we can't take, and in other words, what I'm saying is there is nothing in your outer world that can salve that inner fear that you have. There's just no way to reduce fear by projecting it outward and there's no way to reduce fear by thinking about it more and more and more. It just doesn't work that way. The only way to reduce fear is to face it, is to embrace it, is to say, I see you, I understand you, and I'm going to take action in spite of you, right? Letting it go and moving on to the in intuition, the inner knowing the uh, part of you that's the divine part of you, right? All right, so how many people have I lost? How many people are confused? Uh, Asa says, yes, I know exactly how your husband feels. I love when you talk like the goddess, Janet. <laughs> um, okay, thank you. Rebecca, Jennifer Chup, good morning. Londa says, oh, yeah, you are. We will be your cosmic cheerleader. That's too funny because I often think of myself, Londa, as a cosmic cheerleader. Uh, Londa says, pull up one's big girl panties. We have to. Our, and, and I don't do this to inspire fear in people, but our very survival as a species depends upon it. Right? And... We can't keep getting stuck where we are and not facing those fears as they come up. They're going to come up. We have millions of years worth of evolution uh, that have taught us and prepared us to survive. And fear has prepared us to survive. But we are in the infancy, literally, of our time on this planet as co-creators, where we can choose what that fear does to us or what we do in reaction to that fear. Right? We're in our infancy there. And I would say that we need to keep working this, right? We've got to keep working it. Anytime a fear comes up, right, a fear or a trigger to something comes up, ask yourself the question, what in this is preventing me from thriving? That's the question. What 
am I holding on to this for? What is it holding me back from? How is it keeping me locked in an old pattern? So we have really good questions that we can ask ourselves as fear pops up. So there we have that. Um, Londa or Marjorie on HDS, do I look under personality for the gate number? In your human design chart, you have two columns of numbers. You have a black column that up above it says personality. And that's one set of traits that's based on your birth date, right? It is a, the part of the crystalline energy of who you were that emerged at your birth. Then there's the red column of numbers. By the way, th those black numbers also represent your soul purpose, your soul embodiment of your purpose. Then the red numbers, they're set for a date that's about 88 astrological degrees before you were born, and it becomes your life purpose. It is your design crystal. These two crystals come together and they reside here in your identity center, the center mass, the yellow or white diamond in the center of your human design. That's where those design crystals sit. And those design crystals, crystals are monopoles. They're monopoles in that they have only one ability, and that is to attract experiences to you, um, people to you, opportunities to you. They are always in action and they're being directed by your emotions, by your mind, by your will, and by other uh, parts of the human design, putting pressure on that. And then the choices that you make are either um, misinterpreted because of the fear interpretation, or they end up becoming sources of where you attract to you all of the goodness and all of the things that you want to experience. Now, is it only goodness that comes into attraction? No, sometimes we are attracting to us exactly those people or uh, instances that are going to create the fear so that we can overcome the fear, right? So that we have to, we're forced to look at it. Otherwise, you know, why would we have incarnated here? Right. This is a learning ground. This is a proving ground. Earth is here for us to learn to move through these things, to see ourselves more clearly so that magnet attracts not only good to you, but it also attracts the uh, situations, the opportunities that you're going to have to move through varying things in your lives. Right. Whether it's a health challenge, a financial challenge, a relationship challenge, you name the challenge. Right. Whatever shows up there has been attracted to you. Your free will, your will in the moment is how do I react to that? What, how do I take action on that? And uh, that's where your free will is. That's where we are learning to become the co-creators is that we can create with that energy in the moment. We can either feed into it and create more and more of the fear, more and more of the anger or upset or disruption or discord or hysteria, or we can stop for that moment and we can choose how it is we're going to respond, right? I don't have to react with anger to someone who's created an issue for me. I don't have to do that. I could stop and say, okay, what is this showing me for me, right? What do I need to learn about this? So there we have that, right? You always have the option. Um, okay. Oh, Londa says we need to transcribe this and place it in your book. <laughs> oh, thank you, Londa. You're so sweet. Debbie says, can't wait to rewatch. Got to go get my grandson. Have a great day. Um, okay, so Londa says a mirror neuron is a neuron that fires both when an animal acts and when the animal observes the same action performed by another. Thus, the neuron mirrors the behavior of the other as though the observer were itself acting. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Um, so Peter Levin talks about the animal and human response to trauma and fear. Um, Stephanie says, big girl panties are sold in Target. Hmm, we better go buy a pack of 10. I have a pocket, I have a packet stashed. <laughs> better get them on. Uh, yes, indeed. Greg Braden talks about mirror neurons and how people respond. Uh, Greg Braden, one of my favorite, 
people on the planet as a scientist and a and a metaphysician he is beyond belief and he makes everything so understandable i absolutely adore him uh stephanie says would you define feeling scared for one's safety as different to fear no it's all the same right it's all the same literally you're walking down a dark alley and you know that it's not necessarily in the best part of town. Your body is viscerally reacting to the potential for attack. And that fear is the same fear, same, same mechanism as the fear of, oh no, I have to give a speech today and am I going to screw it up? It's the same fear, a different expression of it. Your body doesn't know the difference. It goes through the same reaction to those fears. One is more primal. One, it makes sense to listen to the body here and, and, and follow your instinct to not walk down that dark alley. The other one is keeping you from something perhaps that you really want in your life, right? That you desire and you have the choice in both cases. You have the choice of how you're going to move forward, right? One, I choose to take and go around that alley. The shortcut isn't worth my life. And in the other one, I choose to do the speech and deliver the words because it's what I wanna share and it's what I wanna do. Either way, I used fear as a way, as a, as a launching pad, right? So, and in, in, in the positive results from that are astounding, right? One, I survived the potential attack and the other, who knows what might what doors might open up for me because I chose to do that instead of succumb to the fear. I hope that makes sense. All right, you guys, I have a call to get to at 9 a.m. and it's already 8.52 my time. I must go. Um, I would love it if you guys have questions. Go ahead and keep posting them. Uh, I will take a look back at this in an hour or so and see if you guys have questions. Hopefully you guys totally understand this and get this, it is, um, it's amazing and it's powerful and we are easily going to forget it. <laughs> In the heat of the moment, you, me, and everybody else on this planet at one time or another forgets it, right? Forgets totally everything that we have in our power to do. And that's okay because we're learning, we're in our infancy here. But remember, we're always reaching to that gift level. We're reaching from that fear of unease uh, up to intuition. Right, listening to a deeper knowing. All right, that is it for me today. Don't forget tonight, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. East Coast time, I will be on Angel Heart Radio. It is a blog talk radio show um, that you can listen in and through your phone or on uh, the computer and or any device for that matter anymore. And today we're going to be talking about Neptune and the Black Moon Lilith scandal, redemption, secrets and uh, the shadows. So that'll be this afternoon. And uh, I will see you all tomorrow morning. Take care.